Hello again, and welcome to another episode of Straight Talk Recovery. Today on episode nine, we're going to be talking about that great subject that everyone doesn't want to talk about, and that's pornography or porn. So again, this is Straight Talk Recovery with Raymond Moore and Adam Costes. Hi, everybody. So uh, just before we got going with this podcast, I was joking with Adam and said I was going to open it up by saying, hey, let's talk porn. Because uh, I want for a second to take away the the uncomfortable feeling of, of even the word pornography. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that um, we hear about very often is when we talk porn addiction, if you look at the DSM-5, which is the manual for mental health that most therapists, psychiatrists, psychologists, etc. really turn to, it's not an official diagnosis. And what it does is basically sits under the umbrella of sex addiction. Sex addiction, I think at this point has become, and I'm very happy for this, it's definitely become more in the forefront of a lot of discussions and that it is a problem. I know for a lot of people, there was a lot of joking like, hey, how can too much sex be a problem? And I think once you really start to kind of hear where this ends up and then uh, why it does become a problem, you'll, you'll kind of understand more. So why we decided to discuss specifically porn addiction is because of the fact that very few people actually talk about it openly, right. talk about it. You just basically talk about it openly. Even professionals, I very rarely see very frank, um, straight conversations about this particular topic. Right. And so often what happens is, is uh, again, like Ray said, there's that, co- that connection to sex addiction, porn addiction, and we hear it all the time. Well, oh, I watch, you know, I, you know, yes, there's porn in my life, but I don't have a sex addiction. So in that case, it's not a problem. Well, what we're talking about today is the porn part. Let's we're going to be very clear about this and how and what porn plays what part in our lives. Right. Because while you may not don't think you have an addiction or uh, someone else may think you have an addiction or tells you you have an addiction because we hear that a lot so and so says i have an addiction right i don't think i have an addiction so what we're going to talk about openly is well what does porn do for you what does porn do for men you know what you know what are we using it for what you know and you know what are some of the pitfalls what do we have to really watch out for what you know what do we need to change in our lives in our behavior first let me jump in and wave my finger at you a little bit it's not yeah. just for men no so no, a lot exactly. of the st- statistics are showing i mean regardless of of gender or or whatever that that ultimately people viewing it is increasing and one of right. that is is the availability of it the many mm-hmm. different platforms etc cetera, etc cetera. and th- you're 100 right this the the whole kind of focus of this is going to be on what does it do for you Right. Like, what does it do for you? So if you go back to, I think, I believe it was episode one, when we defined addiction, we really got into the very specific definition of what it is. And, and my own personal addiction that I kind of roll with. And, and when I'm speaking with people, it's very simple. Anything that changes the way you think and feel. Think. Right? right. So pornography, why it works very, very well for people um, is because it does exactly that. It changes how you think and feel. So it's important to understand, like we do with substances, what makes an addict versus what doesn't. So the casual viewer of pornography 
usually how it's gauged in terms of the addiction or the use of it is based on time spent doing it, right? So you'll notice for a lot of people, they may normalize and say, you know what, I only view porn once a week. But what they don't tell you is that when they do view it, it's 14 hours long, right? right? And I mean, for a lot of people, and I'm going to be very open here, and and for a lot of people, they tend to think pornography may be a way of meeting basic needs. So, I mean, I don't know a single person out there that can basically go 14 hours without reaching, I guess, the objective that they're looking for, right? What go happens, ahead, Ray, say it. <laughs> right? No, no, but essentially people are looking for, for pleasure, orgasm, whatever it may be, and typically it doesn't stretch 14 hours. No. But, but, but this, is, this is where things start to change. So what, what happens in those 14 hours is neurologically speaking, you are constantly getting those that that wonderful neurochemical um, dopamine. Right. And you're getting all of the same um, neurochemicals that you would get if you're falling if you're actually falling in love with someone. And this this is interesting. I'm now going to connect porn with love. Right. Okay. There's lots of similarities in terms of how the brain is is, is experiences love versus how it does when watching pornography. So some may consider and i know i think a few years ago i heard the term self-love but self-love meaning masturbation a word that another word that's kind of taboo but Mm -hmm. but ultimately self-love so a lot of times what people are doing i mean in looking at the behavior from a moral perspective like sitting there for 14 hours self-loving yourself would be defined as you know gross unhealthy whatever it may be right so where it becomes a problem is is essentially that is that the viewing of it is not as simply about curiosity right if i if i um, compare it to say like the social drinker who has that drink and then can put it down fine but when people start to actually rely on pornography as essentially being their happy place Mm -hmm. right where they get their good feelings where they feel good this is where it becomes a problem Right. And you and we talked about this before as well, is it's, you know, we've heard the term, you know, uh, whether it's male or female, I'll make clear about that, right, is, you know, it, it doesn't matter, you know, where I look at the menu as long as I come home to eat or whatever. The exp- There's so many expressions, right, thinking that that's OK, but it becomes a problem when all of a sudden is, to be able to come home and eat, you need to go somewhere else to get an appetite and you can't get an appetite at home. That becomes a problem as well. I, I think that comes further down the line. And right. that's, that's actually one thing that a lot of people, I think, get mistaken, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. Here's one of those moments where I, I think I'm going to disagree with you a little bit. Okay? okay. So I'm sure for some people, yeah, that's kind of what happens. But I think that people get so lost in the feel good nature of this mm-hmm. and they need to change the way they think and feel. It gets more complicated. So the the one thing that we're, we're going to kind of flip over and talk about right. is how others perceive this. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I think that's, well, maybe that's where your point was going in. And, and that's where it was. It was not the, the fact that for some people, the pornography takes over so to the point, and this is, you do a great talk on this in, in actual groups mm-hmm. about thresholds. And yeah. so what happens is you've raised your threshold so much that the regular stuff at home doesn't get you go. And so they're preempting it before going home. And so this is where the problem, that's where I was going with it. No, that's okay. That's what we're here to talk about. I was 
so hoping I had a good argument going on with you. But no, <laughs> yeah, you, you're saying the right thing. So yeah, yeah, and and I'll kind of walk through the process of what that mm-hmm. what what that actually looks like. But um, for a lot of people, it's the state of mind achieved during that behavior. So when viewing pornography, it's about the state of mind. What a lot of people tend to believe is that it's a person lusting or desiring over what it is they're actually seeing on the screen, which is absolutely not the case. And this is the biggest misconception. This is where family members struggle the most. So we'll have partners basically say, well, you expect me to look like that, or you expect me to do those things and et cetera, et cetera. And one of the things that people don't realize, including the addict, I mean, this is the same thing with, with substances as well. What they don't understand, it's not about what they're seeing. It is about what they're actually experiencing as a result of what it is they're seeing. How that progresses, and I'll just, should I jump into the pleasure threshold thing there for a second? Okay. So basically what happens is, is that the first viewing of pornography, you know, you will get that stimulating feeling. It'll be interesting. It'll be whatever. If this becomes an actual means of coping with what's happening, you'll likely start to see your viewing experience intensify. And what I mean by that is you will go from something very basic that may be arousing to you to all of a sudden starting to get higher and higher and higher in terms of the content that's actually arousing you. So you may end up to the point where you're actually watching things that are disturbing you, but at the same time, arousing you. So I've worked with many people that I've talked about, my God, like the stuff I watch it's absolutely disgusting and it makes me sick, but it turns me on. And what has happened is, is that their body has basically adapted. It created a tolerance to mm-hmm. basically a certain level of arousal. So now they're to the point where they're watching things, even involving people getting hurt or whatever it may be, and they are getting pleasure from it while simultaneously thinking, my God, this is disgusting or, or whatever, but I can't stop watching it. So what you're saying, where this becomes a problem, because let's play devil's advocate for a second. What I do in my spare time with myself, with my thoughts or whatever, how is that anyone's business? And this is where it does become other people's business. So if my brain is now conditioned to be aroused by such things that when it comes to a very basic, intimate experience with somebody I love in which I should probably be aroused, like let's say, for instance, you know, rubbing a leg or something like that. The reality is, is your brain is used to a extraordinarily high threshold of, of arousal in order to get to the point, and I mean, for, for some people, for their physical body to respond yeah. in order to engage in, in, in sexual relations. So what ends up happening then is that the person then has to actually push the other person into positions in which, no pun intended, put put them into positions in which they have to make, um, uh, you know, maybe doing things uncomfortable simply to please the other person. And from their perspective, right, now this person is left with the insecurity of, you know, I don't. You know, I don't bring out in that person what I used to bring out in that person. So I need to step my game up, whether it actually brings me pleasure or not. But the reality is, is that that person may not get to the point where they can actually physically arouse the other person because the person now cannot see that as being arousing. So and this is where it gets really complicated. And I'll shut up in one second. I'll give it back to Adam. So one of the things that gets really complicated is that for the person that you know, is used to those high threshold of pleasure, 
there is still that piece of their brain that absolutely loves or maybe uh, that are indeed attracted to the person that's sitting in front of them. But again, their brains are like, wow, you're, you're nowhere near where you need to be for us to prepare ourselves. So really mm-hmm. what porn does, I mean, there used to be the old porn messes with your brain and it actually does. It starts to actually change how you experience arousal which in return changes how your body responds to arousal. So you're sitting there and you could be very, very frustrated of the fact that you're not in a position to be actually thing and have no idea what's happening. And what's actually happening is the viewing of pornography or the viewing of those situations and brought you a high state of arousal have now impacted your ability to be in a romantic situation with somebody that you actually really want to be in a romantic situation with. Right. And and what I wanted to add to that is working with a number of uh, uh, clients with this problem as well is what I, you know, what I was hearing is for some of them is there was also the guilt and shame over their feeling that they can't do this and can't be uh, that aroused. And so and this is where I was going very much earlier is they were prepping beforehand and they would actually watch pornography literally a minute before they knew they were going to go to bed or whatever to try to get to that point and then try to maintain it while they're there. What happens on the flip side, when we take a look at the mental health side of it as well, is now that they're starting to suffer from the mental side, the guilt, the shame after the fact, because they're feeling now worse, which then turns around and flips them back over to the pornography side to get their mind away from it and to get to that feeling. So it be, they be get caught in that vicious circle again. Um, and so they're trying all kinds of things. Now, again, where a relationship, an intimate relationship is open on, you have all those things that people think of. And now all of a sudden there is the little secrets. There's the, uh, you know, not sharing, right? Uh, all of a sudden, you know, using uh, supplements <laughs> yep. to say uh, before and because of the shame and guilt saying, okay, I've got to take, you know, Viagra or I got to take whichever form of medication to make so that I can try to maintain it once I get there. Right. And so again, that just perpetuates it and the feelings, you know, and we hear with shame and guilt, then it comes to depression and all these other feelings. And then it turns right back to what you were saying. They're going back to the source. I mean, for those of you that may have absolutely no understanding of porn addiction whatsoever and say you have issues with substances and you're just listening because you love our podcast, I don't blame you, by the way. But if you're just listening for the sake of listening, I mean, it sounds very, very similar to substances. Exactly. The same cycle, the same objective. The objective is to not desire and to... um, you know, I don't know the word lust over, you know, these remarkable, you know, bodies or, or, or actions or whatever. Mm -hmm. Ultimately it's about state of mind, right? Mm -hmm. It's about taking you away. And now let's look at somebody I compared love with pornography, right? Now let's look at somebody that may struggle with rejection, maybe Mm -hmm. have intimacy issues, may have all of these things going on for them. I mean, and pornography is, is, is a magic cure. All of those things kind of, you know, could be seen as being a way of of dealing with those particular needs in your life, right? Mm-hmm. Video game addiction is very similar. That's going to be a whole different podcast. We're going to have a lot of fun with that one. Um, <laughs> but but ultimately, with with p- porn addiction, it, it's the same thing. I'm changing the way I think and feel because certain things are not going well in my life. Right. 
kind of going back to the pleasure threshold and with the family. So, I mean, the family clearly looks at it. And anyone that doesn't understand this, if the porn addict doesn't understand that what they're viewing is about changing the way they think and feel, not simply just lusting over whatever, right? the families are that much more lost, just like what the substance is, right? So somebody who, let's say for, for let's say that somebody does want to get honest with that, right? This is one of those things and why people don't want to talk about it immediately shame shame is attached to this one i mean even the word pornography is such a you know for some people it's even hard to say but with a lot of a lot of different families and partners of the people i've worked with many of them always come back to the same thing it's becomes this comparison of image mm-hmm. right and how you know you are lusting over this person and i can never look like this person which triggers the insecurity of the other person right? The addict can say, well, no, I do it to change the way I think and feel because I'm not doing well in my life. And there's certain, they don't do that. They just sit there and go, oh, I'm the, uh, uh, no, uh, no, you're beautiful, which probably is actually the truth. It's pro- they yep. probably are attracted to the people they're with, but the objective of viewing pornography for an addict is significantly different because the objective is to change to how they think and feel. That's mm-hmm. why they get to that point where they're watching disturbing stuff mm-hmm. that they would never in real life want anyone they love mm-hmm. to actually engage in. But nevertheless, the brain is used to actually experiencing that. And let's re- let's remember, this is the power of television, internet, and everything. Our brains are not as smart as we think. And I, basically in the sense of, no, basically in the sense of what I'm viewing on some yep. level, I actually think I'm experiencing just like video games, right? Yep. So when I'm viewing this, I'm, I'm there, I'm in the moment, I'm getting the effects, I'm getting the benefits. So your brain is actually basically thinking that it's experiencing that. So now you take it out of the, the world of internet um, and everything that comes along with the the stimuli we get from computer screens, from even with pornography now. I mean, if you look at where pornography came from, you know, it was um, it was on the Internet, but it wasn't as readily available as it is now. Like for somebody to have the capability to stream 14 hours of pornography is just it's part of the problem. Right. Yeah. But 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 ultimately it's people need to understand that in order to stop the behavior, because even the research I, I read, the vast majority of people are saying that, yes, they stop, then they start. It's very similar to substances, right? I think part of the problem was, and you banged it right on the head, you totally nailed it, is that with that shame and that guilt of doing this, because I mean, like, oh, how disgusting, the perception. Yeah. It makes it impossible to talk about it and why they are actually trying to change the way they think and feel, right? Is it fair for me to say I watch hours of pornography because I feel unloved in my life, right? It actually sounds, it sounds weird, but you know what? It's true. It it is absolutely true, right? And you're hitting a really important part there. And we need to think about it because we talk, when we do talk about porn, all we're talking about the person there that who's experiencing uh, watching the porn. And the hard part is, you know, they have a difficulty understanding where, say, their partner or family members coming from at times and how personally they take it. Right. So like you, you did talk about the image issues for some people, right? All of us to some degree uh, suffers from some image issues. We want to be seen this way, want to be seen that way. And then all of a sudden something like this makes them feel like, 
whoa, I'm not being seen the way I want, or they make it all of a sudden take it inwardly. So they're looking at themselves and making, they're actually now feeling worse about themselves. Mm -hmm. Right. And the addict themselves has the difficulty sometimes to understand is why the other person takes it personally. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's a big part of the conversation that needs to happen is to understand is, you know, yeah, I don't understand. But what happens is, is this is what happens when I hear about this, when I see this and you hide this from me and then I find out about it. I feel this way. I feel I'm not good enough. I feel like uh, uh, I don't look, you know, to the standards that are set. You know, I put myself and I start, they're judging themselves is really what they're doing. Right. And so exactly. So now all of a sudden they're struggling. Right. So again, you know, just like we said, when any addiction, it's not solitary. It affects the people around you. That's right. So we're not talking, you know, uh, you know, about the, you know, 16 year old boy in puberty or whatever who watches the occasional form but doesn't have a girlfriend. We're talking about how it affects the relationships right now. But again, you know, you could be 17, you could be 18. And if you're spending 14 hours, that's a problem. Because when that relation does happen, what are you measuring it against? What feelings are you measuring it against? Right? For those of us uh, who've gone through, you know, dating or whatever, us older guys, uh, I'm speaking guys, because it's the two of us. um, I look back, you know, fondness about the, you know, you know, meeting my wife and those that first bit of dating or whatever. The the feelings of that again like you said those are the feelings right pornography right and the chasing of yep. those feelings and maintaining those feelings yeah well i mean it, it prevents you from having to deal with your fears right i mean yeah. I, I, pornography these days are set up with basically like you create your like uh, literally hit a couple of buttons and create what it is you're thinking about and then basically be in the moment and your brain responds accordingly right? One of the things that does become a problem, though, is although emotionally, you are having certain, um, you are getting certain emotional needs met. One of the things that does happen, you need to be cautious of as well, is how you view, how you view what it is you're watching. Sorry, that doesn't Mm -hmm. make very much sense. But what I'm saying is that for a lot of people that are porn addicts, they struggle with objectifying um, people as a result of it. So when they're not viewing pornography, essentially they walk around with like, um, that same kind of lens and that when they're with, you know, whatever population may attract them, that they're sexualizing them. Right. So this is kind of where we do, and this is the correlation and the, um, the umbrella of sex addiction as well, is that they become, they all, they basically become an object, right? So that, that, that population that you're attracted to becomes, um, your preoccupation is with objectifying them as sexual, you know, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. So it's important to understand what pornography, if this is something that you're struggling with, to number one, speak up. Absolutely, number one, speak up. Find find support and really start looking at why you're watching so much. It's not just fun. It's not just whatever, you're doing it for a reason because if you're clicking mm-hmm. off your screen and you're feeling guilty that you started at a particular time and you stopped at a particular time and you have that guilty feeling behind that, it's a problem. If it's taking away from your loved ones in your life, it's a problem. If you're spending all of your free time doing it, it's very likely a problem. 
Yeah, I agree with you there uh, wholeheartedly. And it's about, you know, like I, I really like how you said that is you need to look at the motivation. You need to look at why you're doing it because all of us like to justify Right. We, we, we do. And when we have a behavior or something that, you know, we're we're feeling a little guilty and shame, we'll try to justify it at times. Well, no difference in pornography. We hear it all the time. Right. Well, it's not that big of a deal or, or telling ourselves, well, you know what? If it's doing all that in your life, it maybe is a big, bigger deal. And we need to take a look at why. Right. And say, OK, you know what? Oh, I'm just looking at for this reason. Well, no. Why? Go deeper. Right. Don't stay on the surface. Look at exactly what it's doing, why it's doing, what you're doing it. And I'm glad that you mentioned that, because when we talk in in these podcasts, we you know, always end our podcast with, uh, you know, and remember, keep talking. Well, in this one, as we wrap up, I think we have to add in start talking. Um, that's the key point here is uh, it's not being talked enough enough. People aren't openly talking about it's that hidden uh thing in our lives and yet you know it's easier to talk about addiction to cocaine alcohol and all this openly with someone yet pornography which is just can be just as damaging in a person's life and yet you can't talk about it yeah and i think it's about time now i think we're living in a time now where you know, basically everything's on the table. At least that's my perception. I mean, I think the world is looking at a lot of very, very important things that it's turned its back to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I definitely think, I mean, with the embracing of, of of mental health and people talking more and more about it, that we absolutely lose this ridiculous notion that this particular behavior is something to be ashamed about when really it entails people that are suffering with something or are going through something or struggling with something and that it's just actually a coping strategy for a much bigger problem that may be happening with them and throwing up the, the you know, uh, the disgust sign or, or, you know, not being able to talk about it, it only leads to people um, getting deeper and deeper into it. So just like any other addiction out there, just like anything you may be struggling with, uh, start talking about what's actually happening. If it's a problem for you, reach out, get that help, start talking. Right. Perfect. And that's, and that's a great way to segue out here is just remember, start talking and keep talking. This is Straight Talk Recovery with Adam Kosteve and Raymond Moore. Thanks, everybody.